And so we, we still weren't making those connections. I coached a young gentleman by the name of Willie Africa who ran 216 for the marathon on about 40 miles a week. But what did, what did Willie do during the day? He was a fish packer. So he was just ripped and so strong. And he was basically doing strength training eight to 10 hours a day and then going to do his run training, right? And he was able to run that fast on, on, on that little mileage. Welcome to the Run Form Podcast. I'm Bobby McGee, running mechanics expert. And I'm Matt Pandola, your run-specific strength coach. Matt and I have been working together for almost a decade on some of the top athletes in the world, and we've decided to share that process with you guys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Run Form Podcast. We are talking all about running with me and my good friend, the other Bobby McGee. Bobby, how are you, buddy? I'm very good. Thanks, Matt. It's good to hear your voice. Thanks, man. I know people listening, they should know who we are, of course, but I think just in case we should talk about who we are and uh, why the heck we're talking to you today, why you may want to listen to us again, hopefully. Absolutely. I think that might be a, a good idea. So yeah, I, I go way back and read your book, Magical Running. And I thought, man, who is this guy? He's in my head. How does he know me? <laughs> so Magical Running was a wonderful read that really helped me more with my mindset. And I, I thought it would be nice just to briefly talk about why you wrote Magical Running for the runners out there in the world, Bobby. Yeah, Magical Running, I, I was sort of I'd only been in the U.S. for a short time by, by the time that came up, right? And uh, my experience up to that point in time was with uh, elite African athletes and with, uh, with high school athletes, right? Cross-country track uh, runners. And so I had come to the U.S. and started learning about you know, various approaches and the approach in, in, in Africa was a, a very different to what I learned here, right? So you had to be collaborative. You had to figure out um, what, what the athlete's lifestyle was, what was possible before you could start getting scientific with the athlete's background, right? Um, and that, that sort of prompted me when I got here to, to realize that a lot more athletes here had much higher academic qualifications and so on and so forth. And in so doing, they believed that it was more about just doing the correct work, doing the scientific work, doing the hard work, and the re results would flow from that. And I'd, I'd learned from working with, with uh, school kids of, of a lot of levels that the, the answer really was the mental side. The mental side was the key, right? That was the the thing that would unleash the performance, no matter how much talent there was, no matter how well the conditioning was done. You know, I just remember with, with my, with my first Olympics that that's where my athletes, you know, I was head of the, uh, I was the uh, marathon coach to the Barcelona Olympics. And I realized that the reason why my athletes had fallen short there was they had zero international experience. That was the first time. And that they, uh, were so overwhelmed that their running just couldn't possibly show up because everything else in their life was disrupted and, you know, misunderstood. And, and I started that process off by saying, okay, 
I'd done a, a life skill course and I was aware of the power of, of going into that level and having studied sports psychology and having been practically involved with preparation of athletes from a psychological standpoint for Barcelona and still seeing that the athletes weren't performing, I think we came away with one medal, which I think we was we, we was good to have, right? We got a silver medal in the 10,000 meters. Um, but, you know, just trying to put down my thoughts in a practical sense. How would an athlete go about learning uh, the content of their mind so that they could utilize that? And I had a lot of inspiration and guidance from who I consider as one of the greatest sports psychologists ever was Jim Lua. And I, I managed to meet with Jim and speak to him. And when he started bringing up that whole concept of athletes need to consider the spiritual as well as the mental, as well as the emotional, if they want to succeed on a physical level, you know, that sort of culminated my thoughts and magical running was the first outpouring of, of that understanding. Yeah. So I, I wasn't at the time coaching runners like, uh, when I say Josiah uh, Tungwani, do I say? Yep, Tungwani, yes, Josiah, yep. Yes, and of course, he was sort of that athlete that really, I think, personally, that's how I knew of you. He he won Olympic gold in, in Atlanta, right, the marathon? Correct, yes, yes. And I, I was really interested in, geez, again, this guy's from South Africa, it reminded me a lot of just that that story about how you've really learned to create a culture with athletes and an understanding about how we can come just as mentally prepared for your best self. And this obviously doesn't have to be the Olympic level. So I was working at the time with just a lot of high school kids. Uh, some of them started even in junior high. And I ran into a problem where eventually I realized that some of these kids, I could not think of how we could get any more out of their strength training, but I knew that we had a long ways to go with their mental preparation. So I decided to create a program with an education station from the very beginning where we would go through these magical running steps, if you will. And um, I'm going to try to shorten this story up. Um, I know in the future we can talk much more in detail about things that um, we have done together, but skipping ahead, I ended up asking you, hey, can I use this program? Um, I've kind of made it my own from your book, and I happen to have an athlete that made the Olympic development team, and you were his coach, and you and I became very fast friends when I went to a camp that you were putting on. And ultimately, we just decided to work together with these athletes. You helped me a lot with my high school kids. And over time, I started helping you more with a lot of your elites. And I think that the point that I want to make in this story is that what we've developed has worked for everybody at every level, even when I think about a lot of our age groupers that this has been a complete game changer for using not only the better mindset principles, but also on my side of things, selfishly knowing that if I can get an athlete mechanically stronger to support their sport, that is fantastic, but we still have to be able to be able to use that strength for their skill sets. And that's where a lot of your drills are just 
so valuable to me. And essentially, that's what we came up with with Run Form and why we're talking today, right, Bobby? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, you know, without realizing it, right? I mean, you you do those for, that formal education in running mechanics, and uh, you know, you start understanding how the human body moves. And at that time, I had sports psychology as one thing, and perceptual motor aspects as another thing that I was studying postgraduate. And uh, then after that, you, you know, it was then it was 20 years of, of seeing runners and then it was 30 years and then it was 40 years of just watching how runners run and forming a picture in your head, not only of uh, what is possible mechanically for them, but also how would you get them to access that in something as deeply seated in, in you know, in the human body that you don't even think about which is how to run can can you re even impact that and you know very quickly you and i started realizing that you know i had some of the physiological understanding you had some of the physiological understanding we both were in acceptance and fascinated by the mental emotional spiritual side uh, of running so we realized there was this advantage right and you know i love to quote that concept where if you go to you know college to study um you know sport right and you end up going towards endurance sports the the vast majority of people who do the studying are doing so on a, a physiological front right so they're studying sp um, sports physiology so they're learning how the body works how the body conditions you know, all about thresholds and lactate threshold one and lactate threshold two and VLA max and all that really, really fun stuff, right? And I just got um, a, a message last night from an um, Olympic development athlete in Finland. And she was saying, you know, I've got this postgraduate qualification in, in exercise physiology, but I wished I'd done it in mechanics, right? And so there are very few people that study mechanics and then end up going to endurance sports because it seems like a very small field and it can't make much of a difference, right? And so they'll go to sprinting or they'll go to tennis or they'll go to some other technical sport where biomechanics is, a, is, a, is considered as a primary, right? But yeah. between the work that you and I have done, we've seen that you know, biomechanics is, is at least half of the conversation, right? And and physiology is the other half of the conversation. And then that, none of those conversations happen without the mind. And so we became fascinated with how could strength, conditioning, mobility, skills learning be combined in making an athlete as mechanically efficient as that individual athlete could be and at every level and and that excited me because i'd never met anybody like you where you know there was this resonance and this acceptance and this detachment from i need to be one up on this person right we were both students of each other it was a very very happy synergy and i don't think there's been an athlete that you and i have combined on that we haven't had made a huge difference for bobby i I feel like you just stole my thunder because I was going to say all the same things about you. And this is not planned out that you would uh, thank you so much. But I want to talk about with the first camp I went to, 
there's so many aspects of working with you that I realized this is, this is the guy, this is the relationship that I need. And we were at this first camp all day, <clears throat> excuse me. We were at this camp all day that you were putting on. And at the end of the camp, we talked and we talked and we talked and you were just all focused in on the individuals that showed up at that camp and how can we serve them better the next day with details that will matter for them. And I don't think I got to bed till one in the morning and I think we we're up prepping at six in the morning. So I just realized, man, this guy is just relentless in his pursuit of uh, really serve, serving others. And I, I want to say that with my experience in the strength world, strength coaches oftentimes were just kind of competing against one another. They weren't sharing information like you were. You you gave me so much information even on that first day that I was I I could I could go back and implement for months or even the next year just what I learned in that one camp. So I knew that I I knew that I respected you. I knew how knowledgeable you were before that camp. But after that camp, I knew that if I had anything to do with it, we were we were also going to be close. And, and we are. We became very good friends, I think, with a lot of mutual respect. And what I would also refer to here when you were talking before about how at least half of it comes from more of the... Uh, the mechanics, the the strength training. So many coaches that I had dealt with before that didn't see it that way, didn't respect it that way. And I, I thought, okay, here's a guy that really sees ahead. He's seeing several steps ahead because now a lot of people are coming around to how important strength training is for endurance athletes. But even back when we started doing this together, it was, uh, geez, I think what at least seven seven years ago, Bobby. I think it was maybe eight years ago now, um, and not everybody really back then, especially, was on board with this. Certainly, a lot less than than are now. So you really opened the door for me to be able to even talk to these athletes about what I think they could achieve if they put strength training into their programming both for the short and long term, for their long-term shelf life, their their health, to be able to, to run and enjoy it when they're in their 70s and 80s, right? So I was at Athletes Performance Institute. I did a mentorship there for, um, well, all four mentorships, which I am proud to say that one of the few coaches who went through all of that. But to your point, most of these coaches, really actually all of them, were focused on the major sports. And for me, my passion was in endurance sports. Now, at the time, I could throw down some big names. I did have some professional athletes in um, a lot of the big sports, baseball, basketball, uh, track, and um, looking at what I was able to do with those athletes was really exciting. But really what I gravitated more towards what we could do with the endurance athlete. So you say that one plus one equals 11. And I love that. I always think about the Clydesdales in that conversation. What that means to me is that if you have one Clydesdale that can pull uh, a, a ton of weight, if you use two Clydesdales working together, they can pull triple the weight. But if you have those same two Clydesdales that are brothers and work together 
over their lifespan, they can pull something ridiculous like five times the weight. And that's the way I think of how you and I have been able to to work together. Yep. No, I think you, you make so many valid points there, Matt. It's just, uh, I was very lucky all along to have mentors, right? And these mentors were focused on performance. And in those days when I started coaching, you know, I, I lived in South Africa and, uh, because of apartheid, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the policies that were prevalent in that country at the time, we were, we worked in a very small environment, right? No international competition, anything like that. And one of my sort of more distant mentors, because he was about an hour and a half by plane away, which was a long distance for me in those days, right? Mm -hmm. um, his name was Richard Turnbull, right? And he was much maligned at national congresses and stuff like that because he was doing a lot of strength training with these athletes, right? And then suddenly one of his athletes went 60-11 for the half marathon. And at that point in time, in the 80s, that was uh, the, the world record. But it wasn't accepted as the world record, right? Because we were in apartheid. That athlete's name was Matthews Tamani. Wonderful, wonderful athlete. But Richard just showed, you know, that strength and conditioning was so important. I immediately started with that. I took, I took my school kids and we decided to run all of the mountain passes in the in a course of a month as a way to collect money for us to get a gym at the school and we we built ourselves a gym and that was i think 85 84 somewhere like that and uh ever since then it was like i still don't connect all the dots i didn't go all the way down what it is you know how do you train these kind of fibers and how do you train these kind of fibers and how do you get things not to at you know to to you know get heavier but to get stronger etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know every now and then come across somebody but they were kind of attached to their methodology uh but i was always just looking at the running right and how things supported that and and you know when you stepped up that was that was a huge part of that and i think also a part of that background was your love of, of running itself and your understanding of instead of getting a strength and conditioning expert who's looking uh, myopically at his or her world looking at oh how does this really translate into running right there are not a lot of people that that do that right so you'll get biomechanists working on running but it's mostly sprinting you know and our stuff is so in the gray, right? When when do you emphasize stuff and when do you emphasize specific endurance? When do you do this? When do you do that? What goes backwards, you know, in in that strength, stability, balance domain when you do X amount of training? And, and sometimes you just feel so exposed and there's discomfort when, when you're working with somebody where they know a half of the conversation that is massive, right? And so all of the things that I knew, and that's where you were talking quite considerably about synergy, all of the things that I knew just became more valuable. One of the funny little things that happened is, is like, okay, instead of doing drills once a week, you know, uh, how about doing drill five times a week and just exponential improvement with the athlete, right? And that, that, that comes from you, right? And so the athletes were coming to me saying, I know what you've got is valuable, but I can only apportion a little bit of time to that. But as soon as you showed them the results, they'd oh no, no, we got way more time. Let's let's do this. <laughs> so uh it's uh it's 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 uh 
you know, it's exciting where I am right now to see the level of possibility that's still out there, right? I think I was listening to uh, a coach who was 72 years old. He's a golf coach and he's coached Tiger Woods and, and all of these uh, these athletes, right? So he he's really knows what he's doing and he's exactly the same. Like super, super excited. Like, I hope I don't run out of time because what I've got to teach now is far greater than what I had to teach 20 years ago. You know, so it's uh, it's exciting to be excited where 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 I'm sitting in the sport now. Yeah, and you know, there's there's so many parallels here that I want to talk about with what you just said. One thing I mentioned, I was at Athletes Performance Institute for my mentorships, and the guy who ran that program. Well, it was Mark Verstegen's program at the time, but uh, a guy named Nick Winkleman was running the program. Which yep. I know you know Nick, and you're actually yep. quoted in his uh, in his book, The Language of Coaching. Great, great book about cues. And but that that conversation I had with Nick really changed things for me because at the time, I expressed to him that my thoughts were that these are the world's best coaches, or or in in pursuant of that, and the strength coaches were really, really deep in their knowledge, but their focus was on your more traditional courts and uh, field sports, that that sort of thing. I mean, honestly, that's where a lot of the money is at as well. And I had been working again with a lot of professional athletes in those arenas and certainly was learning a lot about how to help them. But I told Nick, really my, what I keep thinking about is just what I had gone through myself and how I felt like I could help other people more because of that. So um, Nick really encouraged me to do just that. You know, he said, I, I think there's not enough co- uh, strength coaches, especially that are focused on endurance sports. And uh, he, he really gave me a lot of positive encouragement telling me that he felt like I could make a big difference. And so that's when I started to, to change my path on who I was focused on coaching and I started working more and more with endurance athletes at that point. And, uh, when I look back though, Bobby, at that experience, that time, I realized that what I did learn in that, in that box was really valuable because I took a lot of that information that does work for multiple sports and kind of what we refer to more as general physical preparation. And then I just started to take more of what I knew about endurance and what I went through and put it more into specialized physical preparation. And I think that's that's where it started for me. But with my background, I had been a competitive uh, distance runner. Um, and I you know, humbly say that I think I had uh, a decent, uh, a decent uh, career in my youth, but it was halted with a lot of injuries as I exceeded my capacities. And I, I know we'll have whole conversations about about that. But um, I went on to hot shotting. So that's a special division in wildland fire. And I was um, a sawyer. So I was cutting a tree that was on fire. This was in the middle of the night, the tree twisted on me. And it did break about halfway up came down. Thankfully, I was using the base as my blocker. And I, I lived but I, I had some some serious back injuries that I was dealing with for the next couple of years I wasn't running I was just trying to get healthy again and that taught me a lot about how we can move better and my pursuit of being able to just get out and run every single uh, day week month year was sort of an evolution for me to realize what actually worked and 
So I kind of stumbled into doing things that I was never really taught to do when I was younger that I think could have increased my capacities and, and given me a, a better career. But more importantly, I run now completely pain-free. I can honestly say that I never worry about that. And I can get out there and really enjoy the mountains and uh, do what I love to do. And that feeds me every single day. So I want to share that with people. I think finally what I would like to just bring up is that with you, the story I get a lot of times is that, well, Bobby's a triathlon coach. And (laughs) right. And I even actually was looking at some blogs the other day just uh, saw a comment about you and uh, the person had done, attended a camp and she said, you know, I kind of passed him off initially because I just thought he's another triathlon coach. But once he started talking about running, I realized who who was talking and, and how much he uh, loved the sport and knew about the sport. And I know with triathlon, that's kind of where a lot of people did, have gotten to know you. But of course, you, you started off more focused on distance runners like the marathon and still how we run off the bike is, is your, your main focus, I feel in triathlon. And of course you, you train a lot of just distance runners period. So I think it's important that people realize, um, that your focus is on, on the running part. And I know you had a quote where you said, I I used to say, I don't teach people how to run. I help people uh, get back to the best running that they are capable of. And I think that kind of sums up what we're trying to do with our programs. Yeah, no, I, it's interesting that you say people see me as that, right? And I made a conscious decision when I was approached by USA Triathlon in 2002, um, to to help with the number one athlete in the country at that time who was struggling with her run uh going oh i'm going to be out of my depth here and then subsequently with courses and stuff like that that i attended people keep saying well why why don't you coach more triathlon and i'm going no i'm i know very little about uh, swimming and i know very little about cycling and i know i now have access to all these great swim coaches all these great uh bike coaches and it would just water down my growth in in the running department right and and then the beautiful thing about triathlon is is that these triathletes need to keep coming back to running right and so working with an elite triathlete really helps you work with an everyday runner because you can see how the rest of what these athletes do negatively or positively impacts their run and so you just become um, more effective as a run coach, right? Because you now have have to deal with with more challenges, right? So you have all these things like you know a triathlete can't run a hundred miles a week. You know you can, but you probably your bike's going to suffer and your swim's going to suffer. Um, and so you have got to say, okay, well, how do I get a, a triathlete to run really, really fast off the bike? but also on a limited amount of volume, right? And so where are the gains to be made there, right? So there's perceptual motor gains to be made. I mean, there was a research um, paper that I was just reading two days ago about, you know, you you can run a great distance and then do a time trial running and your mechanical efficiency is very, very slightly affected, right? But you just have to spend 
45 minutes on the bike or even 30 minutes on the bike and mechanically you are way less efficient running off that bike. So it, it actually makes you a better running coach being involved as a run coach in triathlon because, uh, you know, the athletes keep sort of taking one step forward, two steps back because of the nature of the sport, right? So when you're working with runners, they, they self-select, they are very pedigreed, cream rises to the top, right? Uh, they develop a running form, almost form fits function. They either, if they don't break down, they're going to become good runners. If they have the engine, they'll eventually figure it out, right? Whereas in, in triathlon, don't have that, that privilege, right? So you, you really get that advantage of being in the crucible of, of returning a runner to a runner, returning a runner to a runner. And it also takes the pressure off, right? You're not teaching them a skill from scratch. It's not like a, a four-year-old that shows up and you're going to teach them a golf swing or how to hit a tennis ball or how to skate or how to ride a bicycle, right? It's a question of that everybody can run, right? So you, you're now looking at how can I restore things? And that's the beauty of working with you is because we find much more low-hanging fruit than a run coach would or a triathlon coach would or a strength and conditioning coach would, right? Because they're looking at it through a different microscope. And, and we have telescopes, microscopes, and binoculars, right? Because we're looking at it from every perspective. You often see people with poor mechanics because of um, a belief that they have, right? So it's a, the approach to improve that person's run form is psychological or even emotional, right? You both of us know that you just grab a runner's arm, you're trying to show him something, and just how the runner responds to that instantly tells you whether that's going to be a long journey or a short journey, right? Because you you can pick up how people, uh, you know, respond, and you know you can also see some people have no no room in their minds to say ah oh, no you can't work on mechanics everybody has a unique running footprint right and you know it just it just makes the mountain a little longer and a little higher to climb <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it yeah now i'll wrap up this conversation with just a thought and then i'll let you i think finish bobby but i think about the athletes of a little bit more notoriety or or fame in in the sport, right? So the last Olympics, I was lucky enough to work with a gold medalist, a silver medalist, and a bronze medalist. And I would say that those athletes all started their programs with me with the basics. And that's where I want to tie it into people listening today, because I think about somebody like our good friend and and fellow uh, athlete that we served together, Pam uh, Buxton, right? She just completed the Ironman World Championships. More important than anything, it was all pain-free, and she had a blast doing it. And there was two years ago, there were a lot of things that we we had to tackle together with with her. And um, she started with those same basics that you know, Ben Canute did. <laughs> and so although the progressions do change as you uh, develop and evolve, I think the basics are the best. And uh, a lot of times people don't realize, I think, that if they're comparing themselves to somebody else, like they're looking at somebody just like me instead, they're going to they're going to realize that these programs are 
what gets managed gets uh, or what gets measured rather gets managed. And these programs are all about what I found that we find with an athlete has improvement, has success. I found that now when I can see an athlete is tracking well, and I'm big on testing and retesting, finding set points, and then you turn around and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at their rating and I can see that now we've developed more efficiency. I know with what we're planning to, together that it's working, right? And that's, that's how we developed these programs off of um, set points that we knew worked for the most common issues that runners had with their gait. And I think that's the, the beauty of it. It's a very, it's simple, <clears throat> excuse me again, it's simple, it's easy to follow, but run, run form itself is something that is meant to be that way. It's meant to be movements that are easy to digest, easy to implement, but extremely effective. And when we went to camps together over the years, and now I've lost track of how many camps and how many athletes who work in those camps, we would find ourselves going back to a lot of the similar issues and saying, okay, instead of these hundred movements, these, these 10 movements over here are the most effective. And we kind of just kept working from there to say, this is what uh, we feel like could help the most people. So I'm very, I'm very, very proud of, of our, our product, our relationship, but more importantly than anything, I think this is something that has brought other runners a lot of joy and other people a lot of joy that have realized that they have a system that they can follow and they can trust it. Um, you know, and that, and that's and that's something I want to thank you for in our first podcast together because what I do is is certainly only half of it, and together we're we're able to have five times the amount of force together, right? So I I appreciate everything that that you've done for for me and my career, and of course what you've done for athletes over the last sixty years of combined experience together. I think we we could have. 10 more podcasts just about those success stories, but it's really just about uh, knowing that this is um, a life's legacy that that we've been putting together, and I'm really excited about what it's doing for people. Oh, no, thank you so much, Matt. And, you know, I can go back and, you know, even start with, you know, you you spoke about Josiah earlier on, and if if, if our listeners want to go and look at some video of Josiah running and realize that Josiah is a tiny, tiny little man. He's just just a, a shade over over a hundred pounds, right? And and you look at Josiah's quads and you look at the size of his quads and you go, how is it possible? You know, he, his quads look like a like a track cyclist quads, right? And that came from hours and hours of running up uh, slag heaps at the mines, right? But you look at the definition in his upper body and you see, okay, this is a man that did manual labor his whole life, right? And so we we still weren't making those connections. I coached a young gentleman by the name of Willie Africa who ran 216 for the marathon on about 40 miles a week. But what did, what did Willie do during the day? He was a fish packer. So he was just ripped and so strong and he was basically doing strength training eight to 10 hours a day and then going to do his run training, right? And he was able to run that fast on, on, on that little mileage, right? <laughs> and so what, what, what people do is they tend to, and, and this is so important for our listeners, right? They, 
they tend to do what they are better at, right? And as we get older, we get better and better at endurance, right? We'd rather be out there for two hours easy than we would go spend 20 minutes doing, you know, intervals and really risking hurting ourselves and, and you know, just getting sick or getting injured or whatever. But those are where the big gains can be made. And they don't have to be done in that high-risk fashion. If you start with a measured level of where am I at now with all of these little components, right? I mean, what every day you and I receive probably upwards of 20 videos of athletes running or doing strength sessions or executing movements and checking in with us if, if they're on the right track, right? And, uh, you know, there's so many points which, in which people can measure themselves where they're making improvement in the winter months, where they're making improvements, where they are in for a huge Christmas surprise when, when, the, when they can finally run out on the roads again and, and, and go, wow, I have done so little volume, but I paid attention to these key factors and I'm just running so much better. And then as that consistency starts to build and they flip around, they realize, oh, I can now do more run training. And I, and I love that thing. It started with me years ago. Got to be strong before long, you know? And then, and to me, um, I'll help with the long, you help with the strong, and we, we're going to keep producing massive performances for our athletes as we assist their coaches and, and, and assist their training environments. That's, that's well said, Bobby. And I will... I'll say that both of us are expert strength coaches. They call me an expert strength coach, you an expert running coach on any question. We do get a lot of great questions there specific for our runners. And that's where I think today we wanted to just make an introduction, but we're going to start diving into some of the most popular questions, the ones that we think will really help the most people and get very specific on things like how we can improve our cadence, how we can improve our overall economy. And if anybody does have questions themselves, this is what we're here for. So we can dive a little deeper into specific topics. I know people want to know more about, but thanks for uh, being with me on this journey, Bobby. It's uh, it's a life's honor. And, and I look forward to, uh, to helping a lot of people with you, buddy. Thanks, Matt. Good, good to always spending time with you with these kind of things. Yeah, man.